Welcome to the Art of Communication, where entrepreneurs learn to grow their business more effectively through mastering their ability to connect to others. Whether you're looking to increase revenue, widen your network, or just getting others to buy into your vision, we'll help you dramatically transform your business and life by communicating more effectively, improving your leadership skills, and reinvesting time back into your family. You're only one good conversation away from transforming your business and your life. So let's start the conversation with your host, Greg Rice. Hey guys, today I'm with Judy Rodman. Judy is an award-winning vocal coach, recording artist, live performer, public speaker, author, songwriter, and studio producer. She also hosts the All Things Vocal blog and podcast. She was recently named the best vocal coach by Nashville Music Pros and a vocal coach in residence by The Voice Council Magazine. And you know there's a lot of vocal coach competition in Nashville. Folks who she has worked with have performed on the Today Show, Letterman, Ellen DeGeneres, The Voice, American Idol, America's Got Talent, the Grammy, CMAs, ACMs, and MTV Music Awards, among others. She knows this stuff, and she knows how to teach folks to speak and sing powerfully. And we talk about how to sound confident when you might not feel it. The power of mindset in both communication and singing and performance, and the power of acting as if. We also talk about how to perform while still being authentic. You know, it's really a masterclass on how to use your voice as an instrument for better communication. So you guys have to listen into this one. So Judy, thank you for joining the Art of Communication podcast. We're super excited to have you today. Thank you for inviting me here, Greg. Great to yeah, be with you. For sure. I know you and I have done some work together in the past, and I know that you have a tremendous amount of insight to share with the audience around how to use their voice, I think, as a tool to communicate more effectively. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'd love to kind of start there. You've worked with a lot of folks around speaking more effectively. I'd love to hear just what are some of the common challenges that you see and how can folks start to overcome those a bit? Well, the common challenges in the speaking voice are similar to the singing voice. And that is the number one reason people come to me is is vocal fatigue Mm -hmm. when they have to speak a lot. Mm -hmm. The number and the the the. Just about that many people come to me for the other reason, which is they don't feel like they're getting through. Mm -hmm. They don't feel like they're really connecting and getting getting the message through. So how do you coach folks, especially on kind of getting the message through? How do you coach them up on doing that effectively? Well, the training goes along with uh, kind of two tracks. And one is physical, which is technique. Mm-hmm. One is to, you know, how you in a healthy way, make vocal production, you know, make your voice sounds, make sounds and words and things. And the second thing is psychological. What the heck are you doing with your instrument? Yeah. And so I really get people into the psychology of communication. And that usually people, people rarely really know even to address that. They just think, well, I'm, I'm talking, am I not communicating? What? absolutely and and so yeah either they're not getting you know the response that they want well enough or their boss has sent them to me because they're they're not being very effective with what they're saying and all that but those two two things physical and psychological so how do you go about going down that psychological path and helping them get aligned with the right goals and approach i think to help them communicate what they're trying to communicate Mm mm-hmm it's very, very simple and very laser pointed, and it's a miracle in the way that it uh, changes people. Okay, 
<laughs> okay, I'm excited. It comes right out. So I'll take you through it. All right. It's, it's, it's very simple, but in a complicated way, I'll kind of walk you down through it. First, I'll say to the person, what do you think this thing in your neck is for? And, you know, various answers will come. But the real answer is, of course, this thing in your neck that you send breath through and create vibrations in, meaning your, your voice box, your larynx, your vocal cords that are in there. The reason it exists is one reason alone, to deliver messages, to deliver messages. Now, in these days of competition and, and, and all these things that, that the world tells us are important and family and friends tell us are important, we'll think, well, that thing in my neck is to win the voice for or is, is to sound good or be judged as good, as a good instrument. And I would say that's like riding a horse and looking down at the horse and saying, horse, move good. <laughs> the voice just doesn't doesn't understand move good and even if it makes nice sounds they'll be they they won't they won't be for a reason and they won't everything has got to be the the to get the horse appropriately in front of the cart the horse has got to be directed into this the goal of m- delivering a message effectively so then, and then we'll go, so once, once people wrap their heads around, oh, oh, these words are actually a message. Oh, who knew? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even whether it's singing or speaking, sometimes we're just reciting words. Think about a poor math teacher in the middle of a, some kind of a lecture and they've done the lecture a billion times before. Well, they're just spouting facts. They're not really communicating. Okay. Yeah. So how do you know that you're communicating well? And the, by, by what I call the brass ring of, of the brass ring goal that you want to reach for your voice. And that is, are you getting the response you want? Mm-hmm. Are you getting the response you want? And that response is usually nonverbal when we're in the speaker's role, right? Mm-hmm. But you still, and sometimes it's actually invisible if you're on the web or if you're on the phone or other places like that. Mm-hmm. But nevertheless, if you are human talking to another human or even a puppy dog, if you're <laughs> successful, you're going to get some kind of response. In the puppy dog, it's going to be the ear raise, you know, the little eyebrow going up. Well, in the human, it sort of is tiny little things like maybe they stop looking at their cell phone and look up and they can no longer text because they're interested in what you're saying. You know, I- anything. Maybe they'll, if, if their back is to you, maybe they'll stop what they're doing for a second because they're listening. All these little subtle clues that we know as human beings mean that somebody heard us. So... When your goal is to get that response, it changes everything that your voice is doing. Mm-hmm. So that's how I get people focused in. Yeah, that's that's fascinating. And I think it's so true, obviously, right? I think we, I know I do it, right? Where we, we're conveying a message, we're talking, probably not thinking a whole lot about what we're saying sometimes. And we're expecting just because we're saying it, that it's getting through to the other person. And probably eighty percent right. of the time, it's not right. Like I told them, they understand, they know what to do next, and then they don't yeah. do it. And why didn't they do it? Because you didn't even look to how they responded. Did they understand? You just figure since I said it, they know it. We're good. So I definitely can see how that can help. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the other, the other uh, component of this is, of course, <laughs> here's the other thing that people don't know: who the heck are you talking to? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For sure. 
In this case, you and I are talking to each other. Now, you have an audience present, or will have an audience present since we're actually recording this, but we're not directly talking to them, but we're talking to each other for them. So sure. that has got to be really understood by the voice, just like if someone's doing a soliloquy in the theater, okay? They can't do it internally because they need, you know, the audience needs to be able to hear them. They're talking to this soul or this spirit that they're talking to in, in that scene, but they are talking in front of the audience. So you have to just take into consideration the real situation and who you're talking to and why you're saying it. And then if you get the response from the person you're talking to, you're also going to get the gravy, which is the side response from the people that are listening. Mm -hmm. For sure. Yeah, no, that's really interesting. Now, uh, a side topic for me is a, a lot of times leaders have to speak with a certain air of confidence, right? And come across like, hey, I got this covered. This is the best vision. I know what I'm talking about. And sometimes they, they're not as confident inside, right? But they need to communicate that they are. So how can we sound confident when we're, when we're talking to our teams or investors or clients and not meaning inauthentic, not like making it up, I, like yeah. being confident when we're not, but, but, you know, conveying that maybe they should believe in us, right? Because w we have it together, I guess is the way to put it. Okay. I'll, I'll give you a real world example with one of my students some years ago. Love it. Okay. All right. This girl had a very serious eating disorder. And with all of the numbness and insecurities that are part of that disorder. And she started coming out of it with some help. And she was taking vocal lessons from me. And so when she started getting this wisdom about how to defeat the eating disorder, which she called ED, you know, uh, as like a person that she's talking to, talking about ED, which in mm -hmm. this case was eating disorder. Well, she did it so well that she started writing a book about her experience called Life Without Ed. This, this, this woman's, this girl's name was, is Jenny Schaefer. Mm -hmm. Well, come to find out, they started booking her for speaking engagements because she knew even better than some of the doctors that were treating the disorder, how not to trigger the disorder in the name of trying to help defeat it. Okay. And so what she did was she started, she started getting these bookings in front of these people and all this. Well, she called me from the green room uh, before one of their early speaking engagements. And she said, I'm so nervous. How can I go out there and do this? And so what I did that worked for her was I said, Jenny, act as if, okay? What if you were completely confident, okay? First of all, know who you're talking to and why they need to hear what you're about to tell them. Okay. What if you were completely confident in front of them? What would your body language be like? What would your posture be like? How fast would you be talking? How would your eyes be? Would they be numb as doorposts? I don't think so. Anyway, I walked her through that in some deep breathing. And she called me after, the, after her presentation thrilled because she did it. So sometimes, you know, here's where I like to um, separate our minds here. Our automatic nervous system and our conscious nervous system. Okay. The automatic nervous system is the one that gets scared. 
the most. It's our lizard brain. But we can override it with our conscious brain. And so our con, it, especially if you really are authentically confident with what you're doing or saying, the message you're going to deliver, but your automatic nervous system is like in a fight or flight mode, <laughs> you, can, you can claim the CEO-ship of your mental committee <laughs> and say, mm-hmm. this is what we're doing now, and this is why we're doing it, all right? So I'm going to act as if I am confident because my conscious mind is. And then the automatic nervous system starts to relax and, uh, and join the party. I love that. I think that's a really powerful approach for both sounding confident, but then also obviously dealing with stage fright and public speaking and all those kinds of things. I mean, yeah. It reminds me of a similar approach, I guess, where you kind of just imagine that it's after the fact, right? And it's been um, tremendously successful. What did that look like? How did you achieve that? And then the same thing, then acting as if that has happened, right? It just gives you visibility into what that could have looked like and makes mm-hmm. you feel that much better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the other thing to know, to, to remain, you know, in, in the real world, is there's no substitute for doing it. Mm-hmm. So you can do every one of them better if you take charge of your own committee in your head. <laughs> you can do everything uh, that you, you know, every event that you do, you can do better. But the 10th one's going to be better than the first one. For sure. Simply, simply because your automatic nervous system doesn't see it or, or experience it as something brand new. Because when it's brand new, it doesn't know where the lions, tigers, and bears, and tomatoes are. <laughs> so <laughs> it doesn't know how it's going to be perceived. So you've got to shut all that extraneous noise out and choose if you focus on that heart that's this all the sled dogs are behind the lead dog if the lead dog is running towards the heart you're talking to or and and that here's another trick is when you are before a group of people or you're say on a teleseminar talking to a, a group of people and all that the way you it's, it's hard to think of one person because there's way more than one person listening to you well you have to uh, sort of condense all those people into the one heart of the room or the one heart of the venue or the one heart of the universe and speak as if you're talking to one. And that's what your voice knows how to do. If you speak to everybody kind of like that, it's you're not going to be really talking to anybody and your voice is not going to really know what to do because it's really not anchored to anything. And mm-hmm. I know your guests can't, see me, but I'm moving my head all around like I'm not sure where I'm going. But if I focus dead in, you know, to the to the webcam I'm looking in here and I'm at, at here and I'm talking to, to Greg Rice, okay, or all the Greg Rice listeners, then my voice is focused up and I know what to do with it. Yeah, I love that. And it's, it's also interesting to divide maybe between like so like in the room, eye contact, you do want to be making eye contact around the room with different people. But from a voice perspective, focusing on that one heart and knowing that you're talking to one semblance of the group. You know what? I'm glad you said that because you can, when you're, when you're before a visible group, mm-hmm. it's a great idea to, to you, you got to move that one heart around. And this mm-hmm. is for my singers too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you can't see because of the whitewash of the spotlight. Yeah. You got to pretend. You got to sort of look in the direction of where you know the seats are, 
and act like you're talking to that one atom that which represents that one heart that's right over here then you move it over here and you when you make eye contact with people in a in a live situation that person represents the whole room so you do move it around even to the balcony and sometimes you can close your eyes and kind of look up because you're still talking to the one heart but just like all human beings do sometimes we don't like gaze right at them mm-hmm. we we're talking to them like this but we're still connected psychologically to that oneness of the of the you know the, the objective is is that one heart but definitely move it around to different people yeah you know, I love that idea. In my career, I've done a lot of presenting in conference rooms or 20, 30 people, you know, that kind of thing, where you are very visible in front of everybody. And so you're trying to connect with each person. And the idea of having that one heart, but moving it as you're connecting with the different people, I think is really powerful. Yes. Yes. So even if you're talking to one person, if you're being really present with them, everybody else is drawn into that. Here's a little mind trip experiment that we can do. Imagine that you are at the mall back when people used to go to the mall. And and you are walking around the mall and you hear this real interesting kind of intense conversation quietly going on in front of one of the stores. Everything inside you wants to kind of move towards that source so you can hear what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. So true. So okay, true. When, when we're being real and we're being re- present with a heart that we're talking to, anybody that's listening is going to be drawn into it like that. Wow. So the focus and the intensity of the conversation almost attracts everybody else to it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's very cool. All right. Well, that, that, that's great advice. I appreciate that. Switch topics a little bit. I'd love to hear your thoughts on how we can use the tools of things like tone, rate, pitch, inflection to speak more effectively, both in one-on-one conversations and also kind of speaking publicly to a larger group. Excellent question. Again, it's that it's that knowing who you're talking about that's it, that's going to ultimately choose the right tone and and inflection and rhythm and all that. But it's a good idea to gather a lot of crayons for your coloring box <laughs> for your voice. And so to do that, I have people explore their resonance cave. If you lift your eyebrows, you'll notice that your ears open well if you try to talk without raising your eyebrows and then you talk with raising your eyebrows I think you and I went through that Mm -hmm. you'll notice a difference in your tone your tone is more variable and the same thing with the jaw when we're talking like we're ventriloquists which a lot of thinkers do (laughs) you're not going to be nearly as I guess you, you won't have access to the tones that you will when you open your mouth. So access to tone and moving your head back just a little bit too also gives you a little more open throat so that your voice has access to all the resonation zones and all the tone colors that you have in your, in your particular voice, in your resonation system. As far as as far as phrasing goes and pausing and all that, that's where listening for the response as you talk comes mm-hmm. in. So instead of just doing a run-on sentence, you'll want to say something and then if you can't see them, you got to imagine it. What response do you want? What kind of pause do you need to know that you got it? 
And once you get the response, if it's not exactly what you want and people are still looking maybe puzzled, then maybe you want to repeat it with different verbiage Mm -hmm. or maybe, you know, in other words like that. So pausing gives you a chance to breathe and gives your audience a chance to digest what you just said. So it, it just, again, that focus on that one heart is, is really key. And inflections, inflections can make something you're saying more interesting or more, more of a warning mm-hmm. or more fun, you know. So inflections are human. And they're part of the words you're saying. A good way to think about this is imagine the heart you're talking to is whoever it is, is deaf or partially deaf or selectively deaf. And they need to see the words in your face. They need to be able to read your, you read your lips and your face. And they need to see in your facial language or your body language what the words mean. So does that help with uh, with those oh, different uh, vocal options? <laughs> yeah, no, I think some super helpful tips in there. I know some of those in working with you have really opened up my eyes, like just realizing how closed I was when I spoke, you know, how closed my jaw was, how <laughs> closed my whole face and upper body were, right? And the difference it can make when you open those it can be really powerful. Yeah. And the other thing I take away is the need to prepare, right? So many of us just talk without thinking about the purpose or the strategy to achieving that, right? When you talk about pausing based on the response that you want, you have to think about that ahead of time, right? That normally doesn't happen on the fly. Um, Ooh, but I, you, it's good to think about it. But here's the other thing. If you really are present with the person you're talking to, they will tell you when to pause mm-hmm. by their reaction or the lack thereof. You have to constantly be reading the room. Yeah, and get out of your own head, right? You got to focus on yeah, that. Yeah, and, and, and if you can't see them, you have to imagine them. That's what I have to do when I'm reading. Sometimes with my podcast, I, I do interviews, but most of the time I'm just teaching voice. And so I, I'm, I'm getting better at it as I go along too, because I'm always learning. But I have to imagine a, a student like cocking their head like, what did that mean? You know, <laughs> <And> so I can <laughs> say something again. No, that, that, that definitely makes a lot of sense. So as folks are trying to get better at doing those kinds of things, I think there's a lot of nervousness, or at least I had nervousness around how to do that without sounding silly in real life, right? How to do that while still sounding authentic and not sounding fake. So any tips on how to start to implement those things and be comfortable with it? Yes. First of all, when you're practicing, if, it's, if you're not willing to be silly, you need to rethink what you want to do. <laughs> you you, you got to stretch the cave, all right? So you want to overdo, over, overpronounce, not overstretch because you can actually create tension if you overstretch like that. But you do want to loosen up and you want to loosen up psychologically too, all right? People like it when you play. People like it, even, even with a serious subjects. They want to hear... Someone that's real and someone that's human and a little silliness can go a long way. So again, it's reading your audience. You know, when I work with different students, I have different degrees of silliness when I teach because I'm reading how they need me to say what I'm telling them. 
And I noticed that about myself. I'm like a chameleon because I'm so, I encourage uh, other speakers to do that. Read your room. What do they need you to do? They mean, do they need you to say something silly here or make a funny face or, or whatever, you know, or do they not, yeah. you know? So, so that's the thing. Don't, don't be afraid to be, to be silly and definitely in your exercises overdo it, get mm-hmm. free. It's like an acting exercise where you really go out of bounds yeah, and it, it just loosens you up, I think. If you can be really silly, I've noticed that in speeches I've had to give before, right? Where I'm practicing, I allow myself to be silly or a bit wild or try some different extreme things. And then I'm more comfortable with kind of the basic way that I actually have to give it. And I'm more colorful there, not nearly to the extreme, but the extreme loosened me up and allowed me to come back down and be more flexible. Exactly. Exactly. You know? They used to say about Garth Brooks, we would skip from speakers to singers for a second here, but Garth Brooks gave you, gave you, gives you the impression that he would climb the lights and turn upside down and hang from the pole if that's what it took to get the response he wants from you, mm-hmm. okay? And even though he wouldn't, okay, <laughs> if he does climb the lights it's planned and he's got steps or whatever it is, you know, he's kind of, he's done things like that, but, but really uh, people want to feel like they're in your hands and that you would just do anything to get this message through to them. They love that and they love your freedom in doing that. But again, every audience, every heart that you're talking to, just a little bit different. So, you have to you have to really kind of be willing to vary what you're doing according to the response that you're getting. And that brings me back to another point that I had thought about earlier when we were talking that another thing that helps me when I present is thinking of, it's about the message and what I want to get across. It's not about me. I'm just the medium. I'm right. not, I might not be the perfect medium. That's okay. If I need to adjust the way I'm being a medium, then that's what I need to do to get the message across. Um, exactly. And that's what the audience wants as well. They don't care if I mess up. If, I get, if they get the message, they're feeling good about it. Exactly. There's a stage performance coach that I work with. In fact, I double team students with a lot named Diane Kimbrough. And I never forget, I'll never forget her saying to a, one of my clients at uh, one time, nobody cares what you think. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, that's exactly right. It's totally not about you. It's only about the heart you're talking to. And boy, does that give you freedom. You might not even feel like giving that message that day. But mm-hmm. you have you really were scheduled to do it, and you chose to do it, so you have to do it. Well, you can choose to actually make it about the person that you're talking to, and then everything works. It doesn't matter how you're feeling, and that takes stage fright away better than anything else I know. It's a bit of a paradox. While the spotlight's on you, it's only so that you can be visible to the ear you're talking into. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's fascinating. I think it's a really powerful approach. Now, let's take a step back to something that you mentioned before. You said when you're teaching, you react to students and you act differently based on their responses. So just tell me a little bit about how you're reading that from a body language perspective or tonality. Like, I think reading others is a really useful skill that a lot of folks would like to be better at. Absolutely. Absolutely. You can tell by the tone of a person's voice if they are nervous, if they are afraid, if they're angry, they're little subtle cues. 
And of course, they're going to, all of those things are going to be more of a numb body language. Their mouth is not going to open very much. And this is, this is another reason you want to really open your face because sometimes we read that wrong. The person is not afraid or, or sad or anything like that, but they have learned to talk without instead of external. And so you're really not delivering the real message that you have. So, but when you're reading other people, they, you know, it's, it's, when you're saying something to them, you are saying that so you get a response and you have to figure out, is this a small dog? Is this a puppy dog? Is this, is this a big, you know, loud dog that, that needs to be kind of, I guess, communicated to more confidently, let's put it that way, (laughs) you know, or is this someone that you need to be careful with? And you can tell you, I mean, I I don't think I have to tell people uh, because you can even tell when you're on the phone with somebody, usually, especially if it's somebody, you know, but even if it's somebody you don't, you can kind of tell what state of mind they're in at the moment. So you, you, you have to address that with your own vocal tone. And, kind of- and and you could you know yeah choices of words you know the tightness of the throat channel how fast people talk all that kind of stuff can tell you whether you need to lighten up or focus up and i think it's not necessarily like this hidden skill that people have to go build like you know when they raise their eyebrows this way this is what it means or when they frown this way that's what it means because we all kind of inherently understand it. I think it's more about the skill of being present and paying attention for those things. Yes, 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 yes. Being present and paying attention. Yeah. Yeah. And something we all need to work on, I think, especially me. So last question before I get into some, some questions I like to ask everybody who, who comes on the show is, I know in the past we've talked about kind of the importance of performing, but how to perform while still feeling that you're authentic. You know, for me, that's always a difficult thing to balance. I think the deal is to understand that performance is external. Performance is external. When, when I say vocal performance, what I mean is vocal communication. So authenticity, you can be authentically rehearsing. <laughs> you can you know, be very authentic, but not really talking in a way that's communicative externally. Mm-hmm. And it's the same authenticity. It's just not the delivery of it. Another thing that you might find interesting and, and goes for boy, for speakers as well as singers is there's such a thing as artists and entertainers. And that I think that has to do with I've said like a comedian, artists, and then just entertainers. Entertainers, you know, get the, get the crowd up and, and they know how to communicate with the crowd and all that kind of stuff. But it's all, it's like a club thing or a Vegas thing or something like that. An artist goes into acting mode when it's time to deliver, say, a poem or a rendition of a, of a, a play or a keynote speech. And Sanford Meisner says, which is the legendary acting coach, real, real acting, great acting is behaving authentically in fictional circumstances. So when you're in, in performance mode, uh, you, when, the best thing is to be both. 
So say, you know, you'll, you'll uh, come, you'll begin your presentation with something like, Hey guys, I'm so glad you could join me with with join me for this today. I hope you guys all had a good breakfast because we're going to have a lot of fun today. All right, and then you go into your topic and you shift gears into serious mode. In the first place, shifting gears keeps people awake mm-hmm. and they don't want a monotone presentation. And it also makes the people makes the the the, the listeners feel like you see them. When you're reading the room and you respond with your voice in that way and you shift gears like you like you would if you were really having a conversation, they feel seen. And that is the most one of the most valuable valuable things you can do to a human being is to make them know that you see them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely really powerful stuff. And I, I loved kind of the quote that you shared there and you shared with me previously. It's about acting authentically in fictitious situations, right? Yes. Um, Mm -hmm. So you're still being authentic. You're just tailoring yourself to that situation. Right. And it goes back to being about the message and not about you. Exactly. But that also goes to the, you, you mentioned something about preparation and preparation is important. It's a good thing like in the green room or backstage before an event or even before you begin a book reading or you start a podcast or something like that to take a few moments, but especially if it's live, a live presentation, to take a few moments to center yourself, already occupy the venue or whatever the, the audience is, you know, already be there with them before you walk on stage or you go up, get up to the recording mic so that you're already there. You've already prepared yourself. It's a spatial thing. It's a setting yourself thing. It's acting technique. Mm -hmm. If you can imagine an actor doing a really, really intense scene and then having to go home to their family. Well, they teach actors to de deconstruct themselves after that on the way home already imagine yourself at the front door with your your child waiting for you to come in the door and finding out how your day's gone or your wife or your husband or your significant other or your cat <laughs> but already kind of pre be there so it's a it's acting technique but acting technique is real it's like mm-hmm. being being real on purpose mm-hmm. yeah very very cool stuff so a couple questions here and then I want to be respectful of your time. First one, I really believe in the power of conversations and the impact they can have on our lives. So I love to ask my guests to share if they're comfortable one conversation in their lives, either personal or professional, that had a really big impact on them and maybe even directed the path that they decided to go in. Well, I had a conversation with a person that I was doing a lot of session work with as a, as a singer and she was Carol Chase. She was on the road with Leonard Skinner. And one day this was, you know, a lot of doors closed. I have a, a lot of rabbit trails in my career because I've been in this business for about 50 years now. So, but I started coaching vocal coaching uh, a little bit after this conversation. Mm-hmm. Because she was on the road with Leonard Skidder, and, and remember, she only knew me as a singer with her on sessions, but I had led a lot of sessions. I had booked on her on a lot of sessions and directed the sessions. And also, we used to co-write at Warner, 
Warner Chapel together. So she knew me in that way. But she said, Judy, I'm having trouble on the road with this one song hitting this one note. Can you help me, help me figure out how to do that? In the first place, I had like, I'm thinking to myself, how do you think, why do you think I know? (laughs) (laughs) But she did because she believed in me and saw something in me before I did. And that's why I booked my first vocal lesson when other doors were shut. My, my other (laughs) things that I did as a singer and songwriter and all that, those, those doors were closing down at the time. Mm -hmm. And I thought, okay, well, maybe I, maybe I can do that. And that just was, you just, I never looked back. I, you know, hit the ground running and kept learning more and more and taking more students. And I learn with every student that I take. And it's been about 20, a little over 20 years now with me being a vocal coach. But that's, that changed everything. Just her asking me, uh, you know, for help with something I didn't even know I had the answer for. Wow. Yeah, that's fascinating. Two, two thoughts there. One, the power of just reaching out with that question, right? If she wouldn't have picked up that phone, you might take a completely different path, which is amazing to think about. And, and two, the power of listening to what folks are asking you about, right? So the things that people trust in your advice around are, I think they point towards some inherent talents that you need to pay attention to. Yes. Many times that we don't even realize we know, you know, and someone else can, yeah, I think the way people respond to us is a very, very incredible teaching tool for us. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Okay. Second question. I get asked a lot about first impressions. So if somebody's meeting you for the first time, what's kind of the one thing that they can do to really make a good impression on you? With what they say and how they say it, if they seem to me to be authentic, then mm-hmm. we're off running. I'm allergic to, I'm allergic to hype. <laughs> I think we all are a little bit. And authenticity is something that keeps coming up as I talk to folks about that question. So that, that's really interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think there's probably a need for more authenticity in the world. Um, oh, there is. Yes. And I think the more, ver- the more technological we get, the more the, the deep need for that authenticity, for sure. When we can manipulate and, sh- and digitally change and, uh, and all that, the audio and video and all this kind of other stuff. And there's so much uh, research into how to manipulate a, the you know, person for selling purposes or political purposes. Then mm-hmm. authenticity rules. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. And it's fascinating, even in this context, we're talking about like performing and communicating in a different way to get your point across. It still comes back to authenticity, right? We're not talking about being fake to persuade somebody. So there's even a powerful way to perform correctly and authentically. Not necessarily, it's not necessarily being fake and and doing something wrong. We're taking advantage. Absolutely. Absolutely. And selling can be Seth Godin. I, I love this quote from Seth Godin. If what you are selling can make the world a better place than selling is a holy art mm, or I something to the effect I may be paraphrasing, but <laughs> yeah. And so if people, you can't give people what you have, if you are not visible to them, if your services or products or whatever are not visible f- to them. So yes, advertise and make the world a better place. And if it doesn't make the world a better place, find something else to do. <laughs> yeah. 
find something find something else to sell yeah yeah interesting okay third question as you think about your journey so far and all the challenges you've had and everything you've had to overcome if there's one communication skill that you could have had in more abundance that would have made it all a lot easier what would that have been i guess the permission to say no Mm. sort of grew up as a people pleaser and through my life i've learned to be to get that kind of under control it's made me a good teacher because I'm empathetic and I'm, I'm empathic sort of with, with people. But you can get sucked into somebody else's drama or somebody else's wish list and not be able to get your own done. Mm. So I've found the power to say no. I think that's a great point. And the power to say no is one thing, but then there's how do you do it in the most effective way that doesn't ruin the relationship or let somebody exactly. down. So any thoughts on that, on how to do that well? Yes. <laughs> say, say no, explain why, and if they have a problem with it, it's their problem, not yours. Yeah. I like that. You're not responsible <laughs> I mean, for their challenge. Exactly. And, and you, yeah, kind of do it with kindness and professionalism and, and make it short and sweet. You don't have to totally explain all of your reasons why, but, but just, just do it in a respectful way. And if they have a problem with it, then that might be a relationship that's not a good one for your journey. And by that, I mean, not only, you know, when, when someone is toxic in your journey for you, uh, they're not only sabotaging your journey, they're sabotaging all of the people who you could do, uh, you could do good for. You're, they're, you're sabot- they're sabotaging their journey. Mm-hmm. So think of it that way. It's not selfish. It's self-responsible. And that's the way I've come to understand that I do have the power and the, and the in fact, responsibility to say no when that would keep me from uh, being the best uh, at, that I can be at something else that's, that's uh, more important. Yeah, and it comes back down to values and vision and what it you does. think your biggest contribution can be and then staying true to that. Yes. I think that's a great way to think about it. But you have to do the work around your values and vision first to know what path you want to be on. So a specific example of that is when my husband got really tired of me staying up till two or three in the morning and sleeping in the office floor because I wasn't getting my work done. And plus my health was kind of suffering as well. I was getting tired and sick sometimes and, and irritable. So I made the decision And I committed to him to stopping at seven o'clock. And now that I've done that, oh my gosh. Yeah, people call and and want uh, these late night vocal sessions and stuff like that. And I do go into the studio uh, for late night stuff. But that is so not a regular thing. Mm -hmm. And that no, that no to work after seven o'clock has made all the difference in my my joy. And not to mention my health. Yeah. Wow. Very cool. Very cool. Very powerful. Okay. Last question. Who's the best communicator that you know? And why are they the best communicator? I'm going to have to say Barack Obama. And the reason I'm Mm -hmm. saying that is because he's not only incredibly articulate and smart, he also knows how to say what he's saying in uh, language that Every man, every woman can understand. And so he, he breaks big concepts down to smaller concepts. Plus, he also, he's present with you. He, he, it, it 
seems, I mean, I I've never met the man, but it seems from the way he talks that he has genuine empathy and understanding of where you are and what you need. Yeah, I know. I love that. And I think that's really hard to do to be intelligent, sound intelligent and kind of use a higher level of communication, but also get across at a basic level to everybody who's listening. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Fascinating. Okay. Well, tremendous, tremendous guidance. I I think you shared a world of feedback with the audience. I know they'll take a lot away from this episode. So thank you so much. Where can folks find you? The podcast, the speaking lessons, the voice lessons, where, where can they find you? Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me on the show and for, you are so well prepared. You're one of the best podcasters as far as interviews that that I've I've done. So thank you so much and and for your devotion to your craft because it's really good. I I love your podcast. But people can find me simply at judyrodman.com. In that site, they'll see my Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, all those social networking sites. They've got little buttons at the bottom of my site. They'll see all my products and services and they'll see my blog and under blog. But <laughs> the other place besides judyrodman.com that people uh, should, should check out is All Things Vocal Podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts. Got it. Tremendous. And if anybody is looking to be a more powerful speaker or improve their communication skills, I definitely recommend reaching out to Judy. We've worked together and she did tremendous work for me. I've gotten a ton of value out of it. And you don't have to be in Nashville. You know, she can work remotely. We certainly work remotely as well. So definitely keep Judy in mind. I highly recommend it. Don't let the momentum stop now. Continue your path towards connecting at another level by joining the Communication Nation. We'll be discussing today's topics as well as more real-world solutions to transforming your life personally and professionally at Facebook.com slash groups slash Join the Communication Nation. Remember, you're only one good conversation away from transforming your business and life, and that conversation starts right here on The Art of Communication.